Welcome to this episode of the Make It Happen Show. Before we dive in, I can't wait to tell you about our new tool that's been coined the Myers-Briggs of Business. At The Entourage, we've been working hard over the past year to develop a new benchmarking tool that'll give business owners in every industry a 54-point diagnosis of their business and unrivaled visibility into its performance. We're calling it the Business Growth Profile, and it's a first of its kind. The only tool that, in as little as 15 minutes, will deep dive into every function of your business to identify the biggest opportunities for growth. And for a limited time only, we're letting business owners fill in their profile and get their results for free. Head to www.the-entourage.com forward slash profile to fill in your very own business growth profile. If you're a business owner who wants to know how your business stands today and how to grow it tomorrow, then the business growth profile is for you. That address again is www.the-entourage.com forward slash profile. And now let's get on with the show. This has to be my favorite episode for early stage entrepreneurs. So if you're just about to embark on your entrepreneurial journey, or you're thinking about developing a technology product for the first time, this is the episode for you. We're joined by Christy Whitehill, the founder and CEO of Tech Ready Women. And in this episode, we talk all about how to develop your first technology product and technology-based business. We talk about the importance of getting out there and getting validated feedback from customers to make sure you're building something they actually want. We then talk about how to start the technology development process and really importantly, how to hire and manage a technology team. This is absolutely vital information for anyone looking to build their first technology business and take it to the world. Let's get into it. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the Make It Happen show. I'm Tim Morris here with Christy Whitehill. Christy, welcome. Thank you. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Fantastic. So you're the founder and the CEO of Tech Ready Women. That's right. So you're empowering women to not only learn about technology, but also launch their own technology businesses. Yes. How are you making that happen? Oh, lots of <laughs> lots of ways, <laughs> lots of hard work, um, passion and perseverance, yeah. I'd say. Um, but yeah, I mean, it all all started two years ago. Um, well, actually, the idea for Tech Ready Women started probably when I first started my own tech startup mm. journey, which was about eight years ago. Uh-huh. And um, I remember thinking probably about two years in, there needs to be this central place where women can go to learn how to build a tech startup, not feel stupid for asking all these questions mm. about, you know, what's an MVP? What's tech? You know, all these sort of things, you know, that you've got to overcome in those early stages. And um, and it wasn't until, you know, I'd been through my journey that I went, um, you know, there needs to be something. Mm. There needs to be a platform. There was definitely a gap in the market. Was it a little like this idea that was there at the back of your head all the way through, that sort of slow burn? Yeah, yeah. and it's quite lonely. Like the tech industry is very... Um, male dominated mm-hmm. and when I started I was always the, the only woman in the room mm-hmm. and um, that's definitely changing now um, definitely because of, of tech ready women as well we're, we're seeing a great increase um, but yeah there was no community and mm-hmm. it was a lonely experience you know yeah. uh, why do you think it was like that so like eight ten years ago like I certainly remember when I first got in the technology entrepreneurship scene yeah it was very male dominated but particular type of male as well. (laughs) Why do you think there was that real skew? Look, I mean, I don't know. I think the reason, you know, the industry has been so, I guess it's it's the engineering 
um, you know, skill set that you need probably to actually create the products mm. and, and services. But I think more and more now we're seeing that diversity of thought and having diverse um, people in the industry is actually a good thing because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, technology is um, helping enable uh, solving problems, um, all sorts of problems. And, you know, it can be for pregnancy or it could be for, you know, aged care or anything like that. And sometimes you need to have um, that diversity of thought involved, whether it's on the product side, the tech side, business side, mm. marketing, um, to be able to, to help build great technology businesses. Yeah, I think that's hugely important. I mean, there's been a lot of engineering driven businesses that have built products that no one has wanted Ex to use. Exactly, yes. Yeah. And that's a big thing that we focus on in the early stages, that validation of, does someone even want to use this or buy it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so back then you were, you were the only female in the room. Have yep. things changed since then or, and to what degree? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, I think 24% of startups are founded or co-founded by women in, mm -hmm. in the industry. And um, so it's definitely increasing, um, you know, I know that we've had about 700 women attend our events in the last 18 months, so oh, wow. they're, they're definitely there, they're definitely in interested. We've had about 3,000 inquiries, and we've had 71 women go through the program. Mm -hmm. So I think it'd be a great time to talk about what the program is, like what do you focus on? Yeah, so uh, our accelerator program focuses on the early stage of developing an idea, particularly focused on uh, tech. Um, or startup, uh, we go from idea validation through to business modeling, value proposition, prototyping, understanding UX design, software development, uh, you know, how to build an MVP. What mm. is an MVP? But I think <laughs> let's, let's, let's unpack this process. Yeah. I think this is hugely important for anyone starting a business. Yeah. And, and it's, it's what we see, and it's what, what I've seen over the last, I don't know, 15 years. It's the biggest problem area for an early stage entrepreneur is they're making something or they don't know what they're making or why they're making or whose problem they're solving. So yep. can you unpack all these steps a little bit? Yes, that's right. Yeah, and, and that's probably the biggest mistake I see so many first time, not just first time, but so many founders make. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, sometimes you make it a couple of times. A few before times <laughs> before you learn it. Um, but it's not going out and speaking to enough customers. Um, and, you know, when it comes to building software solutions, because we focus on uh, software-based businesses, um, you know, there's a process to follow. And, you know, most people go, oh, you know, I've got this idea for an app. I'm just going to go hire this developer and we're going to build it. Mm. And it's like the developer is probably the last person you should be speaking to once you've already gone through this process of validation and prototyping and testing. And it's a very iterative process. And mm -hmm. we follow the lean startup process as oh, well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's great that you mentioned lean startup. I thought that was one of the, there's been a couple of books in the entrepreneurship sphere that when they came out, they were very, they were seminal, and also everyone was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe we didn't think about it uh, like yeah. this beforehand." <laughs> and that was one of them. Yeah. Like, so, we'll actually, take us through your um, take on the lean startup and that approach. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's about um, the build, measure, learn. So, you know, really focusing on what is the minimum I need to build in order to get something to market to prove that people actually want it mm -hmm. to use it, and mm -hmm. then ultimately buy it. Yeah. Um, and you know what we the area that we focus on is that problem solution fit stage mm -hmm. and you've got the three stages of a startup um, which is problem solution fit product market fit and, and then business model fit we're at that early stage um, problem solution fit where we're helping the founders really understand is there a big enough problem mm -hmm. um, is there enough people that need this problem solved mm -hmm. and is the product that you're building uh, matched to solve that problem mm -hmm. so we really help them validate that and that even comes down to what are the features you're trying to build so mm -hmm. You know, does it need a 
um, you know, integration with Facebook or, you know, is your user going to just sign in with an email? Like what, what are those little things when it comes to building technology and building products that mm. they're going to need to, mm -hmm. to focus on? Because so many just go, oh, I'm going to build all these hundred features and they don't need to build that early on. Yeah. It's like, what is the minimum? What's that core feature that you need to build that's going to solve your customer's yeah. problem in the first stages? And then you can build upon it. Yeah, because that first hundred that you want to make to begin with, like only 20 will actually hit the mark with the consumer. Exactly. And it could be a completely different 80 that yeah. you can build further down the, the track. And you make, you waste, you can waste so much time and money <laughs> building technology when, you know, those features people won't even use or they're not even important. So. As, uh, as someone who, at one point, I think I spent about twenty or $30,000 <laughs> on one website that the business just went absolutely nowhere. Yeah. And that is not where I should have spent um, my time, if it might. A hundred thousand. I think that's part of also, like, I'm definitely wearing the scars, like, from yeah. my early stages. And, yeah, threw $100,000 down the drain, for sure. Oh, well, so, so, your hard-earned <laughs> lesson is yes. what you're then passing on to kind of the next generation definitely, coming through. Definitely, yeah. And so, so, how, what are some tactics and and strategies for getting out there and really learning what, what your customers do want and designing for that? Mm. So, I mean, number one step is coming up with, um, you know, a set of interview questions and identifying, A, who is that customer, like who's your potential buyer persona or that mm -hmm. the user, um, and going out and speaking to at least a minimum of 10 of them, um, coming up with interview questions that are non um, leading, so mm -hmm. they're open-ended, so mm -hmm. you're not leading them to say what you want them to say. <laughs> say how fantastic your idea <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, and don't tell them your idea and say, would you like um, to use this app if it did this? Of course people are going to say yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, well, they don't want to hurt your feelings. And don't, don't, ask, <laughs> and don't ask your mum. <laughs> you know, you don't want to go and ask your mum. She might be the target customer, but most likely not. And she's still going <laughs> to tell you what you want to hear. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I think that's the number one step is going out and speaking to customers, but you know, doing it in a you know, user research type way, doing in so much market research, having a look at the competitors, mm -hmm. um, what, are the, what is your target market using in terms of apps and websites and things like that. Um, you know, that can really help you look at what kind of product that you're going to need to mm. build because that's what you're going to have to compete with. Yep. You know, yep. for example, um, if you've got a fitness app, and it's going to compete with Nike. Hmm. You know, you're probably <laughs> going to need <laughs> you're probably going to need a lot of money yeah. because if you're trying to get Nike's users over to yours, they've got a lot of money. Hmm. So there's lots you've got to think about. And when it comes to building a successful, you know, business, let alone tech business, there's just so many elements that comes into play. Like, do you have enough capital and runway? Do you have the right team? Hmm. Oh, so many things. So well, I mean, the worst thing. The worst thing an early stage entrepreneur could do is exert all their effort and time and money on something that just doesn't have a chance of yes. getting off the ground. Because yeah. there might be too big competitors in the industry or people don't want it. It is actually, I know it would be painful going through the process, but it's much better to learn that no one wants it and then you change tack and do something else. Hugely. Yeah. Yeah, no, hugely. I mean, in my early stages, so I did exactly this. I, I was your standard, typical non-tech founder going, I've got an idea. And and so my first idea was a dating website called Fancy My Friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was an idea my girlfriend and I had come up with over a glass of wine. I was about to say, was there alcohol involved totally. in this? Totally. <laughs> she was single and I wasn't. And um, 
anyway, we did everything wrong. We hired an offshore developer from India, and oh. yeah, <laughs> and like I've still We've got the I've still got the pictures of how, and I was like, this is so ugly. Um, but ended up having a throw. That was like ten thousand dollars still down yeah. the drain, um, and then ended up going to an agency to build the the next sort of version of it. Sixty thousand dollars. This is mm. the hundred thousand dollar mistake. Mm -hmm. um, and then when we took the idea to market, like the website looked great. I had a great UX designer, a great mm. development team. It worked, but it's like no one wanted to use it. Mm. And even though we'd done focus groups and things like that, it mm -hmm. wasn't it wasn't done in a way of product, yeah. you know, yeah. um, validation. And so that was a really expensive lesson. Um, but and then from there, we did a, what you call the p a pivot. Yeah. Um, and I still had some investment left over because I managed to convince a few people to, to give me some money. Um, <laughs> um, and created a dating app called Fancied. Mm -hmm. And this was a little bit pre-Tinder. Mm. So um, literally I came up with Tinder. Did <laughs> <laughs> they send you a royalty check yet? Uh, <laughs> no, but they should. I know. Um, I should join Bumble actually. That was probably more my thing now. Um, and I'm not single. I'm married to. <laughs> more Just in case more like, work what? for them. Work for them. Um, but um, yeah, fancied. I managed to raise more capital. I landed a large media deal with a mm. media company, and we're about to launch it. Um, and then Tinder hit the market. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was that tight. That tight. Yeah. And so we got around, uh, we launched with around 20,000 users within mm. the first um, like two to three months. Mm -hmm. um, but we're finding all these issues with the back end in terms of, you know, the, the servers, all that sort of stuff. Oh, so you couldn't detect the product in scale? With no, I wouldn't scale users. with, no. Okay. So the developer had hired didn't have the right skill set. Mm. And this you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. I didn't know I needed certain people yep. with certain skill sets. And and then we couldn't raise any more capital. Tinder was in the market. And so yep. ended up having to close that down. Yeah, well, which is why I think it's, uh, I talk about speed to market quite often. And, and this is exactly yeah. why, because you can you can guarantee someone else out there has the same idea as you at the same time. Oh, yeah. Because everyone's got access to the same information, the same trends. Yep. You know, these ideas bubble up in different, different places at the same time. And so the only way you can get ahead is by moving really, really Quick, fast, yeah. doing little, little versions, little versions, little yep. versions. I mean, at some point you've got to go, right, let's develop on a proper yes. infrastructure. Yes, yeah. Um, but you do that once you've gotten some really good traction and yep. people can get excited by it. Exactly. So that you can continue to raise money if you're building something expensive. Yes, yeah. and I see it all the time. Like, obviously, because I've spoken to so many women, particularly women, obviously, but tech-ready women, but um, that I get calls all the time saying, I've got this idea. And it's like, oh, I know somebody's already developing that. Or, yeah. you know, we've already got someone in the program that's focused on that. Or, mm -hmm. you know, but if it's a really good idea and there's a big market problem, mm -hmm. you'll find that there'll be so many people with that problem yeah. trying to solve it. And yeah. it's just a matter of, are you the right person? Do you have the right team? Do you have enough capital? Yeah. You know, to be able to, to get it to market quickly. Yeah, and there's, there's so many different ways you can skin a cat. Like, you can, there's different ways yeah. you can solve the same problem. And by getting out and working with customers and sort of iterating your offering, yeah. you'll, you'll probably come up with this really nice niche solution yeah. that someone else might have a different niche solution, but they're solving it in a different way. And that's and, fine. And sometimes it's a good thing to have competitors in the market, right? Because it's all about market validation as mm -hmm. well as, um, you know, the customer. And so you want to, um, I mean, I've seen. Uh, co-founders or co-founders that have now come together that were 
competitors. Oh, yes, in tons of that. So if, if you know the girls from Glamazon, for example, yeah, yeah. Glamazon app, you know, they were competitors in the market. They met an investor. He said, I want you girls to join. Yeah. You know, and it just turned out that they were a great match in terms of skill set, etc. And now it's, you know, they've gone on to raise lots of money and are going well. That'd be quite a, a funny, begrudging partnership to you. The, the investor said, I will invest yeah. if you guys join forces. And they're like, like what? Ah. <laughs> but luckily, they like got along really well, you know, because yeah. obviously you don't want to be founding a business <laughs> with someone who's like either exactly like you yep. and has your skill set or, um, yeah, you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> Not for the sake of money. So, so continue down this, pr this process of like the um, concept validation, uh, b building something that you're confident people would like. So we've talked about the interview process and getting you know, good validated feedback. Yep. What's the next step along that journey? Yeah, so I mean, once you've got that, it's about the prototyping. Mm -hmm. uh, so we teach in our program um, how, so if you're focused on building a custom software solution, for example, where it might be an app or a web-based platform, and there is no um, is no off-the-shelf solutions that you could use. Um, it's all about understanding what the customer journey is, how to prototype that, so um, that you can start putting it into into an app or web-based mm -hmm. um, form, um, and you can start testing that with users as yeah. well. So it's going through that process, and it's still an iterative testing process and yeah. validation process, but it's now about getting into the product. Um, the cut that the user experience and then understanding what features and how to prioritize those features mm. in order to start the build. Yeah. Do you ever advocate, like, okay, here, so your idea is for a platform that does X, yep. um, and you're going to have to develop that for enable for it to do it, but you could use um, an existing application yep. to do 70 or 80% of that. You can manually do the rest just until you figure yep. out how the workflow works. Yeah, so like marketplaces is a good example. Yep. You know, you can use um, off the shelf templates like a WordPress site. Actually, I even think WordPress has marketplaces. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Good, yeah good themes that already do you most know, of it. Yeah. Marketplaces is a popular yep. tech, tech yep. new startup. Um, yep. There's lots of them. It's very difficult to start marketplaces, but um, mm -hmm. but in, in terms of getting an MVP, your yep. minimum viable product, yeah. get using a you know, share tribe. I think there's another one, um, but yeah, WordPress. Yep. Um, I There's like someone was trying to build a travel one recently and you know, you can even Google Airbnb um, WordPress theme. Yeah. And you can like get it, themes. Yeah, so it's not <laughs> gonna like be it's not gonna be a forever solution, no. but it's enough to at least test the, get the something concept. In the, yeah. yeah. But actually this reminded me of a great story by um, Jen George who oh, founded yeah. OneShift. Yeah. And she she came and, and talked at one of our workshops. This is years ago now, she was telling about how she started OneShift was like was it yeah, it's this platform or marketplace that would connect up um, people that wanted to hire people for shifts and casual work and people that wanted to do the work and it was going to automatically matched everyone up and it wasn't it was Jen in the background yeah. like yeah. manually matching up all these shifts and these workers and then like firing out an email going you guys made a match yes. and, and she did it to some ridiculous number yeah. but it proved out that there was this there was this opportunity and then, then she built the platform. Yeah. And you can do, so by doing the process manually can really help you understand how you're going to build the tech yeah. as well. Yeah. Because um, it's all about that user experience. It's all about the automation afterwards and the, all, all that sort of stuff, systemizing it. And so if you know that yeah. by actually doing it yourself, it's far more easier to build the tech for yeah. it. Well, you can, and you can iterate and change the, the process. Process. Side, which is well, you, once yeah. you build the, the start coding, it's yeah. so much harder to change and become a mess and people don't realize how much like once you start coding it, it's you know sometimes you just got to scrap it and throw it away yeah. and they say with software development you typically build things three times mm. until you get to something right mm. and even sometimes <laughs> more but depending on the product yeah. so it can be expensive so what are your um 
what are your strategies and what have you learned along the way about managing technology development projects? What are the key things that you need to have in place? What are the major warning signs or things that you want to watch out for? Oh, there's so many. So <laughs> I've I've so I've been involved in around 30 technology builds now mm. myself. So I had a um, software development company called Hatching Lab for mm. about four years, which recently merged with another technology company called Prismatic. Mm -hmm. um, Prismatic now focuses on um, building high performance development teams for corporates. Mm. Um, and so um, I've been involved in projects from you know, working with startups through to uh, working with corporates, building larger scale uh, solutions. Um, look, some of the lessons in terms of managing the teams, I've managed offshore, onshore. I always recommend that, because um, people automatically think going offshore is always the cheaper solution, mm. and it's not. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's the <laughs> most painful, frustrating, probably the mo ex just as expensive solution yep. to do, because it's your time is, mm. you know, could be spent doing so much more if you had an expert who mm. can communicate with you yeah. <laughs> on what well, you actually yeah. need to build. I always say you, you pay, you've got to pay, pay for everything, but you either pay in time or money. Exactly. So if you're not paying much money, it's going to take you a lot of time to manage the process. Yes, yep. and I've heard so many stories of people um, that have managed offshore teams and it still costs them like $500,000 and mm -hmm. the product doesn't work properly. and. You know, in terms of when you're looking at the system architecture and the back end and things like that, like I just hire somebody here and mm -hmm. they might be, their day rate might be really expensive or seem to be really expensive, but they'll get it done in like a fraction of the time. Yep. And give you that expert advice. And would that person potentially work with an offshore team, but they know what they're doing and they know what they're talking about so they can get that back end work exactly. done at a reasonable rate, but yep. they're, they're here getting everything out of your head yep. and it's sort of crafting the development road roadmap. Yes, yeah, so I would recommend that if you did want to do like a blended approach where you've got um, you know, part of your development done offshore, have somebody technical here mm -hmm. that can um, manage that process because you need to be technical in, t in terms of being able to understand the process and, and be have that product management skills. Yeah. And, uh, and then actually, so work it, so say you find someone local who can be your technology lead, yep. um, how do you work with them? How do, you, how do you get things out of your head and get them to come back with a, hey, this is what I think the solution is that they will then go and build? Yeah, well, I guess the, the process that we teach in our program exactly helps the founders communicate what that product vision is. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can learn what you don't know in mm -hmm. the beginning, yeah. and those basic product management skills, the UX skills, mm -hmm. um, user research, you're able to then articulate clearly what that product vision is and be able to work with a product manager or a developer um, to be able to get that across so much clearer because you know, if you can sketch something and create yep. a, pr a prototype, um, which anybody can do, like if I can do it, I you know, prototype so many things now. I didn't come from a tech background. Yeah. And it can just help so much more in terms of that communication. Because at yep. the end of the day, as a founder, if you want to found a tech business, you're the product owner. Mm -hmm. And until you can hire a team like Canva, mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah. it's like... All, all, all the technology development and design yeah. has to come from you. In, yeah. So in, the, um, so in Tech Ready Women in the program, so, so you go through... Um, learning about your customers, interviewing them, and then creating this prototype on paper first. Yep. And that is literally just drawing it out. Drawing it? it out. Yeah. Yep, um, it's as simple as that. And yeah. We've got tools where you can you know, create the actual clickable prototypes. You can put it on a phone or on a, on a desktop. Yeah. Start clicking around and work out the user experience, test that. Um, and if you can really 
own those skills, like it'll help the process so much you know, easier in the long run. Yeah, so. and then that's where you bring in uh, preferably a local technology lead yep. and then they'll go and take that and, and manage a team. And, and do they start developing their prototypes while they're in the program or is that sort of past that, that period? Yeah, some have. Yep. So we have s different stages. So some are completely at idea, idea stage and some mm -hmm. have already built a product or mm -hmm. they're their MVP and are, and are testing it, but just need that mentoring and the help to refine it. Because we have around 60 mentors um, who are product managers, designers, developers, um, all come in and, and provide you know, their time to be able to help mm -hmm. shape their ideas and shape the products. and. Um, you know, get them into market. So. Yeah. so are there any particular areas that you think are the most challenging in terms of technology and getting up to speed with what's happening and, and how to develop a tech-based business? Oh, there's so many. Yeah. <laughs> what are the ones that people like, ah, oh, like I'm just it's freaked just, out by this concept? It's understanding, it's understanding the back-end solution, yep. the technology stack that needs to go behind mm -hmm. it. Um, and that so well, maybe and maybe for those listening, like, let's, do you want to break down your like high level take on what that is, what that means? Yeah, like, I mean, so in terms of the back end, so you have the front end and the back end. So the front end is typically what you use as a user. Yep. It's what you interact with, and, and the back end is what stores the data. It's the servers. It's all of that sort of stuff, um, and it sends the business logic, all of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, algorithms and yeah. people have heard of those things before. Bit, yeah, I'm sure there's a bit where people are like, okay, the back end is a black box. Yes. I'm not quite sure. It's so like, you're just trying to uncover yeah. or break down what's in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the, the back end talks to the front end and tells it what to do yeah. <laughs> in simple ways. That's good. I think um, simple's good. Um, and so, you know, but, you know, when it comes to developing the back end, you can have different coding languages, different. Um, you know, frameworks to use. There's Python, I mean, I'm not even gonna bother listing all, to, uh, all of them, PHP, all these different coding languages that you can choose from. And the developers, like by choosing a developer, so this is sort of going into talking about how to hire your developer mm, mm. Um, and who to choose and what skill set. When it comes to hiring, you know, the skill set, it honestly depends and on, you know, the, the backend solution or the, the developer, the engineer who's gonna be building the solution. I always recommend, you get someone who's, they call it full stack. Mm -hmm. So they're typically someone who can do everything from back end to front end. Mm. They might not be able to do, they'll do one better than the other. Mm -hmm. It's really rare to find people that are really great at one or the yep. other. Um, but um, they'll be able to, to be able to build you know things quickly and then they'll be able to hire people mm -hmm. afterwards to do specific jobs. Mm -hmm. um, now when you're choosing a different a coding language, um, there can be, I, I always recommend, have a look at what is, who is Google hiring, who is you know, all your big um, tech giants hiring, and try and stay away from those kind of skills. <laughs> because they're so in demand, they're getting yeah. paid such high money mm -hmm. um, from these kind, this mm -hmm. is who you're competing with for mm -hmm. jobs and trying to hire people. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's one sort of thing to look at, but then it is good to sort of surround yourself maybe with a, a, a tech advisor or somebody who's been in the industry, a CTO, mm -hmm. chief technology officer that can give you that advice on an outsider perspective to help guide what kind of technology stack you mm -hmm. might need. Mm -hmm. um, so in our program, we have a expert developer roundtable session. So mm -hmm. we invite, you know, really experienced, 20 plus years experienced CTOs. They come in and they'll give, give the founders advice mm -hmm. on what kind of tech stacks they should mm -hmm. use, um, you know, what solutions they should be building. Um, and then, yeah, it, it can just you know give you that insight as to what kind of questions should you be asking when you're going yeah. out and hiring these people. Yeah, yeah, which would be super valuable to even have a list of questions. Yes. Otherwise you're like, okay, so you've got technology and stuff? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, so hiring, looking for. So I'm kind of pulling out some of the key messages here. Like on the technology development side, if you can find a, a local technology lead yep. that's advantageous, yep. that they may hire some offshore people to keep some of the costs down, but they're driving Or it. a tech co-founder. Or a tech co-founder. Oh, I That's like finding a husband though, so like. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about it. Well, in a sec, let's come back to maybe some strategies around that. Yeah. So you, so you need someone as your technology lead. It's good if they have if they're a full stack developer, yep, yep. so they work on back end and front end. Yep. Um, it's good to stay away from like the hottest um, platforms or, or languages that the big guys are, p are hiring for, so yep. that's good. Okay, let's talk about finding this, C uh, this CTO or a, uh, a founder who's a technical co-founder. Yep. Where, where are they? Oh, it's like dating. <laughs> so how do you find a boyfriend or girlfriend or you know husband? Uh, but are, are there are there technology founders out there looking for um, non-technical founder business partners, or do they tend to be coming up with stuff themselves? Uh, I think look, a lot of the really good ones have their own good mm -hmm. ideas. Mm -hmm. um, however, you know you might find. Um, a good tech co-founder maybe that's working in a corporate mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. they're sick of their corporate mm -hmm. job. Um, yeah. So, you know, in terms of going out and some things that I used to do is I used to um, meetups, um, you know, there's different meetup groups for developers, go to those, don't be shy, mm -hmm. you know, um, or, you know, network through LinkedIn. Yep. That's always a good plat you know, platform as well. So ask people for coffee and it's sort of like you just get to know people, yep. you know, that's the only way you can do it really. Yeah, I'd love to talk just a little bit more about um, people moving out of the corporate arena and into an, like the world of entrepreneurship. Mm. So maybe there's some potential technology founders out there trying to do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and then there's, I, I think there's a lot of women that want to get out of the corporate arena yeah. and entrepreneurship is an avenue that they could pursue. Yeah. Um, and that's, I know that they're um, getting involved in tech ready women. Yeah. Is that a trend that you're seeing more and more of? Hugely, yeah. yeah. We have around, oh, there's quite a few, maybe 40, it might be even 50% have come from some sort of corporate or industry background mm. um, and that are wanting to start as an entrepreneur. Mm. I can't remember what the stats are, but it's growing yeah. so much. And um, I think though the way the future of work is going in the gig economy and mm -hmm. everybody knows now it's changing. The whole workforce is changing and entrepreneurship is becoming more attractive. Yeah. The flexibility. And it's almost, you know? it's almost ironic in one regard that yeah. it used to be like being an entrepreneur was like super risky. Yeah. Uh, but now actually having the ability and the skills to build your own business and create your own path is actually the less risky option. I know. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, it's totally changing. But, you know, you need to have certain skills around being an entrepreneur, I think, that can help you in business with managing, you know, even your own accounts and things like that. Whether you're a small business consultant through to you know, having a tech business, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. Fantastic. All right, I've got a couple more questions to ask, but okay. I haven't seen them, so I've got no idea what they are, and you certainly haven't seen them. <laughs> no. So we, uh, we, we, you know, we attempt to get through these in about a minute. Um, <laughs> it tends to go over a little bit longer. Okay. So uh, feel free to answer however you like on these questions. So we've got our, our make it happen minute is first question, fill in the blank. The biggest surprise about my business journey has been? Oh, biggest surprise. I don't know. Like you always think it's going to be easier than what it is, and it's yeah. just so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so optimistic as an entrepreneur, but then you're like, I think all entrepreneurs are optimistic. They are. If they were pessimistic, they wouldn't do it in the first place. No, yeah. and then you're always like, oh, but I just you. You always have got. You never feel like you're getting anywhere because you've yeah. got always reaching different goals. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this, so the biggest surprise is that it's more challenging than you ever expect. Yeah. But that's probably what got you started. Yeah. In the first place. Yeah. All right. Great. Uh, <laughs> what tech buzzword? do you loathe the most? Um, 
Oh, I don't know. Tech buzzword. Tech buzzword. Oh, that's a hard one. We can come back to it. Let's come if, back if, to if it. If you get anything, just yell out. Okay. We'll keep moving through. Uh, what's an app you can't live without? Um, there's a few. Uber. Uber, yeah, Uber's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, oh, I don't know, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, just all the, just, all the ones, ones you're addicted to. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, what's a word that's been used to describe you that you're really proud of? Uh, oh, these are hard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would not like to be in your shoes. No, sure. no. <laughs> I just like reading them. Um, I don't know. Like, oh, I would just say driven and ambitious and yeah. Yeah. Well, let's slightly innovate on this question a little bit. Okay. Um, what are you proud of in terms of the impact that Tech Ready Women is making? Uh, I'm proud that oh, I'm proud that it's just having an impact, to be honest, and that we've been able to um, really get a lot of traction really quickly. And um, I guess I'm I guess I'm really good at building a brand as well. So yeah. it's built that community and the brand around what we stand for, and that's been really great. So fantastic. And last question on these ones, and I've got one more to finish up with. Uh, if you could go back to when you started your tech journey, uh, knowing what you now know, what's the one bit of advice you would give yourself so you could make it happen? Um, oh, it's all about validation. And it's like, I would have had been $100,000 richer if I hadn't <laughs> spent that money. <laughs> well, it's not so just that. You were doing further along your journey, further much along, faster. <laughs> yes, yeah, so much faster. Yeah. Like, you know, I probably wasted two years. Yeah. So, yeah. Then Tinder wouldn't have even been able to pick up the game. I can't believe it. You would have it. been in. I know. <laughs> um, and last thing for me, uh, what's like? What's on the horizon? What's coming up next? Uh, lots of things. So currently TechReady is um, growing through partnerships. So uh, we're looking to partner with universities, government, other organisations who are wanting to foster more women in this industry. And so if anyone's interested in that, reach out. Great. Have you got a goal for the number of uh, women you want coming through the programs over, say, the next year or... Five. Yeah, like I mean, we've had seventy-one through the program. So if we can triple that this mm. year, that would be pretty amazing. So fantastic. Well, we wish you the best of luck with that, Christy Whitehill. Thank you very much for coming in and joining us. Thank you. It's been a great <laughs> conversation. Bye. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Make It Happen Show. If you love what you heard, hit subscribe so you'll always be the first to know when a new episode lands. Also, leave us a review. Tell us what you love and who you'd like to appear on the show next, and we'll do what we can to make that happen. We speak to a successful entrepreneur every week, but if you want to keep the conversation going, join our Facebook group, The Business Class. It's an active community for entrepreneurs and business owners to connect and learn from one another. You can also connect with us at The Entourage on all the usual places. That's Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That's all from us for now. Whatever you've got on your plate this week, we hope we've given you what you need to make it happen.